0: Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and resident TV critic, Rihanna Dillon. Hi,
1: Rihanna. Hello. This week, actually, is it's a good week, isn't it? We've got loads of cracking stuff. I know, I'm really excited, actually, to just be able to indulge yeah. in some of the better stuff on TV and streaming. We have Landscapers, starring Olivia Coleman, David Thewlis. The Beatles' Get Back, which is an epic documentary by many standards. Six hours. <laughs> the Power of the Dog, which is a brilliant film film directed by Jane Campion, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. Hawkeye, for all fans of Marvel, not you. No. And Paddy and Christine McGuinness, Our Family and Autism, which was an excellent documentary that we both watched this week.
0: Lots of variety. And as you say, quality this week, really very, very high. Mm -hmm. And we're in that kind of pre-Christmas period where things can start, if you're me anyway, just start getting a little bit tense. And what I think we can offer you this oh. week... yeah we're just That's just me. Oh, dear. No, I'm sure it's, to be fair, a lot of people who've got a lot of preparation to do. Yeah. What we can offer you this week is certainly some quality escapism, but also some thought-provoking stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you'll find a lot to enjoy, seriously. Anything
1: exciting this week? Any celebrities in your life? Uh, not so much celebrities. I've just done lots of podcasting for the House of Gucci film, which was fun. Would I like that? I think you might enjoy the glamour. No,
0: not really. I don't think.
1: Would you like the true crime aspect? Probably not. Do you like Lady Gaga? Yes. Well, there you go.
0: Oh, okay. So do I enjoy it for the Lady you would. Gaga aspect? You would. And Adam Driver. I never know what I'm supposed to think about him.
1: I you think you're supposed to think he's an excellent actor because he is. He's very, very good and versatile.
0: You're so unimpressed. I'm not entirely convinced by the House of Gucci. I did talk earlier this week to Martin Freeman, who is in a BBC show which is airing in the new year, set in Liverpool. He plays a cop. Um, It's called The Responder. Now, I know as soon as you hear... He plays a policeman. People are going, to think, oh, God, what's this? This is, this is powerful stuff. I would say there were echoes of Jimmy McGovern in oh. The Responder. I think people are going to be talking about this show.
1: Interesting. Does he He doesn't play a Liverpudlian? He does. Oh, interesting. He what does. did you think of his accent, being I, a Liverpudlian himself Well, yourself?
0: I was, barely mention it, but I, I was <laughs> going to be very cynical about it, but I think he's absolutely cracked
1: it. Oh, great.
0: Yeah, it was a great deal, he said, to Joan Washington, who was married to Richard E. Grant, and she died very recently. Yeah. I think she was widely regarded as the, the dialect and vocal coach. Wow. and she, I didn't know that. She tutored him and she did a brilliant, brilliant job. Mm. So that's just something people I think will really look forward to that in the new year. It's a good show. We are starting this week then with Landscapers, all episodes available on Sky Atlantic on Tuesday, the 7th of December. And here's a clip. 16 years ago, William and Patricia Wycherley each shot twice and buried in the rear garden of their own house. Susan Edwards, along with her husband Christopher, then set about concealing both the deaths for the next 15 years. Yes. No comment. Is this your signature? Real
1: comment.
0: It's okay, Susan. Oh, you can sorry, answer. that's my signature. Sorry. That is, I mean, she's unmistakable, isn't she? <laughs> she is. Olivia <laughs> Coleman in Landscapers. Okay, um, this is—it's surprisingly creepy mm-hmm. and also funny.
1: It is so funny. So this is written by um, Ed Sinclair, who is Olivia Coleman's husband. So he wrote it. I won't say with her in mind because I don't know if that's particularly complimentary. Surely
0: surely he did though. But
1: for her, uh, very much to star in uh, alongside David Hewless. And it's so, this is what I can never quite get my head around is how drama comedies like these manage to tread that line, especially when it's a true story. And yet do it in quite a, beautifully sensitive kind of way. Do you think it gets it right? I think it does because um, we find out throughout the course of the series that that the wife especially is obsessed with old Hollywood and she has all these posters everywhere, she spends far too much money on them and that kind of eventually becomes their downfall. And what's so clever is that throughout the series there are scenes filmed as though from an old Hollywood perspective. You keep seeing Gary Cooper... Exactly. And uh, who else? Is John Wayne in it? There are, you know, lots of different um, Hollywood stars that almost, like, dip in and out of it. Their films are sort of interwoven. Uh, But then they also film them, like... Olivia Colman and David Thewlis as younger versions of themselves falling in love. So we see the the kind of relationship from the very beginning and then it's played out like Casablanca and with those sort of smudged, smeary, black and white lenses and Olivia Colman's eyes filling up with happy tears. It's so brilliant and so clever and so weird.
0: Clever is the word. It's very... British, there's a lot of suburbia in it, yes. uh, some very funny scenes with the next-door neighbours, <laughs> uh, and there's that kind of clipped niceness about Olivia Colman that I. she does it a lot, mm-hmm. but it's, it's never been done to better effect than, than here. And when I say she does it a lot, it sounds like I don't think she's a great actress, I think she's a brilliant actress, yes. but it's something she employs mm-hmm. quite regularly, and she is really quite sinister in this.
1: Yeah, you're you're so right. She she, you never know with her, do you? Because in this, you sort of think oh, maybe they, maybe she is innocent, and you do start to believe her story. I, she's so nice. I mean, she's just so nice. I started to believe her story, and mm. I started to feel sorry for her, and I thought this is a, this was an act of a desperate woman, and it was an act of almost love for this man to sort of think. All right, I'll go along with this because you were so abused at the hands of your parents. And then as it goes on, you realize that that's not the whole story and actually there is a much more sort of sinister financial game at play here yeah. uh, again, and you feel you feel duped, but you're quite happy to have been duped by Olivia Coleman's acting style because as you say, it's just brilliant. It does make you
0: ask questions about how people, live with themselves, mm-hmm. when they have a really awful secret, the idea of being able to compartmentalise to yes. such degree that you can keep on putting one foot in front of another. Mm-hmm. But more than that, you can just bounce around France, living a little bit off grid, but also spending money that isn't yours mm-hmm. on Hollywood Posters. I mean, just. I found this really disturbing.
1: It I, is. It is disturbing. And funny though. If, I mean, the curious combination. But but it works. So Will Sharp directs this. He's a young director. He directed Flowers with also with Olivia Coleman. From the first moment of
0: this, I, I I loved it. I also think some of the scenes set in the police station, um, between the various slightly bumbling and they're made out to be. I mean, whether they'd agree with this, probably they wouldn't. They're made out to be bumbling, yes. aren't they? And, and slightly out of their depth. And <laughs> yeah. there's a lot, again, the classic misogyny, the um, older guy and the woman who thinks he's a pillock.
1: The woman who thinks he's a pillock is so brilliantly channeling Vicki McClure in looks line of like duty. It, they've she? made her look like her, they've made her sound like her. Yes. And she also just takes no rubbish from anyone, especially the men around her, the really inept guys who just like sit there stuffing their faces and throwing coffee about, as you imagine cops do. The first episode um, ends with the
0: couple coming back from France when they realise they can't keep on lying and they're met at St Pancras station by it looks like practically every member of the Metropolitan Police, four-legged, (laughs) two-legged, everyone is there and they just walk into this sea of, well, trouble, frankly, Mm -hmm. for them. Highly recommended from me, I think. Well, I can't understand anyone who wouldn't enjoy this. (laughs) Treat yourself to Landscapers. All episodes available on Sky Atlantic on Tuesday the 7th of December. Actually, David Thewlis, um, because a lot of attention is always on Olivia Colman, we should say how good he always is in everything.
1: I mean, I think that's why people maybe forget to talk about David Hughes yeah, so much, right. because you're right, he's exceptional, but he is very aware of letting other people be bigger. That's an art form in itself.
0: It is. It's one I have to say I've, I've yet to fully learn,
1: but uh, <laughs> I hope to adopt it, perhaps in much later life. Right, what's up next? Next up, it's The Beatles' Get Back, which is available to watch on Disney Plus now. Let's hear a clip from the trailer. It's Looking for a what? What is it? Looking for a home to last. Looking for a blast from the past. We're talking about 14 songs we hope to get. I've got a feeling. How many have we already recorded good enough? None. None of us has had the idea of what the show's going to be. I've got a feeling. I would dig to play on stage, you know. Nobody else wants to do a show. I think we've got a bit shy. Oh, no! yeah! 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 What could it be? Oh,
0: Something in the way she's hmm? so was. What attracted me at all? Just say whatever comes in your head each time.
1: Attracts me like a cauliflower until you get the word. Yeah.
0: That's how you do it. If only I'd known, I too could have become one of the Beatles. Um, That was, I think, John Lennon giving advice on how to complete that lyric. We know a little bit about this because I talked on the podcast a couple of weeks ago to David Hepworth, who had, for the Radio Times, interviewed the director, Peter Jackson, because there's been a lot of secret squirrel stuff about this. Mm -hmm. Um, This is you could say it's ridiculously indulgent and over the top and, and i think and i think you should say it is indulgent okay. i
1: think that's absolutely fair commentary except to
0: say that i was i only watched i have to be honest about an hour of this before i thought okay that is enough now but i was when i first started watching it really drawn into their world mm-hmm. and i was quite emotional i think there's just something about seeing these men in a room interacting with each other and then every now and again very casually playing some of those th- songs mm-hmm. that have been around for as long as I've been mm-hmm. around and it's actually hard to imagine a life without them existing those yes. songs and they were new at the time and you see things like little details like the did you see the bunch of daffodils they had with them in the studio yes a big pile at one point of toasted sandwiches which everyone was ignoring <laughs> and I was just get stuck in and then you see Yoko sitting there I mean she such she was
1: brilliant she was just sitting there either writing notes or snacking on a goujon or something she was eating very, at one point. So, she's quite a presence, isn't she, she actually? Is. I mean, she's still around. Um Yeah, she's somebody
0: who you can't quite take your eyes off. I could have done with more of Yoko, to be honest.
1: I agree. I think, actually, I read somewhere that they maybe skipped out on some of the bits where they were baiting her a little bit. And did they? Or perhaps okay. not being as pleasant.
0: Yeah, because you, oh, you do her. wonder what the dynamic was
1: actually really yeah. like. Because she was... Was she the only woman in the room? She, I, well, I don't know about the behind the scenes, but she's certainly one of the more obvious presences. There yeah. was um, a Harry Krishna um, chap who was in the corner who was commented on right at the beginning by like, who's this? And someone's like, oh, one of George's Harry Krishnas Friends. or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, they it's, it's getting those little insights, which is really interesting. We, you know, this is a band that we have been analysing and talking about for well mu- the entirety of my life yeah and for um, much of mine and for much reason. of yours <laughs> um, and so it's it's quite in- yeah it's fascinating to have all those tiny little glimpses into how they actually interacted and spoke to each other when when they weren't so aware that cameras was on were on them we yeah. see you know we see interviews with them joking around and but this feels so much more like we we're just in their living room and they are acerbic with
0: each other. Yes. You can tell that they know each other pretty much mm-hmm. inside out. You're also aware of the tensions. Mm. And, you know, Paul wants to get this concert underway, and the others don't seem to share his enthusiasm. George is trying to be quite diplomatic. Ringo doesn't really. Well, we never thought he contributed. <laughs> an enormous amount. And hey, he did
1: a yellow submarine. He,
0: yeah, okay. And he doesn't seem to be all that front and centre no. here either. But maybe I'm being unfair. I I just, I have to question
1: why they didn't just make an absolutely brilliant, brilliant hour and a half. But that documentary does exist from this footage from made, you know, oh, yeah, 20, original, 20, 30 years ago. That's the film
0: Let It Be, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah. so I guess, so this is definitely trying to do something completely different and it does feel like much more an experience than a film. It's immersive. It is immersive. I think the way that I would recommend watching it is almost maybe nearer Christmas when you have less work stuff to sort of fill your brain when you have more hours to just have this on in the background, get yourself a, a cup of mould, a vat anything. of mould, anything yeah. and and then you can indulge in it and I think that's the perfect way to watch it I don't think this works for just snatching an hour here or there which is kind of how we were having to watch it How wonderful to have that skill set to be able to just noodle around on, on musical
0: instruments, fantastic
1: Because is the conceit that in those what did they have, two weeks or something to Create. Well, they had a month, I think, to make an album. An album, and uh, and then it kind of goes up. So maybe by the end of we didn't, not neither of us got to the end of the six hours. But maybe at the end, we are then treated to the to the full set, I don't know. Well, I think they then go on the roof and do their concert. Yeah. They go on the roof in the end of the Apple building on Savile Row and do
0: a concert, which was in Let It Be, Yeah, which is, a, you're actually completely right. That is, of course, the film they did make mm-hmm. um, to, and took out all this footage we are now blessed with. And some people will see it as a blessing.
1: Oh, it is! it? I think absolutely for, for real yeah. hardcore Beatles fans, and I know enough of them, this is brilliant watching. Yeah. And again, if you've got the time... How wonderful to spend six hours with your favourite band. If you have got the time, you are lucky. At
0: this time of year, who's got the time?
1: (laughs) Uh, Podcast at radiotimes.com is
0: the email address. If you want to tell us whether whether you would really give six hours of your precious time to this, or if you have seen it, just how much it meant to you and why you wanted to prioritise it in your life. Mm. Because if you are, as you say, if you're a Beatles completist, then you'll love every single moment. They also, by the way, just look so young.
1: I know, and it was really lovely seeing them really in their prime in so many ways. That's The Beatles'
0: Get Back, available to watch on Disney Plus now. We will talk about the really hugely anticipated new Marvel series Hawkeye, but first something I loved, The Power of the Dog. It's out today on Netflix, also has a limited cinematic release as well. It's Jane Campion's film, and here's a Guess this
1: is it. What's it, Phil?
0: What's it? All right, that's I'll tell you what it is. Twenty-five years since our first run together.
1: Nineteen hundred and nothing. It's a long time. Well, not too damn long. You know what we should do? What's that?
0: Go camping again in the mountains and shoot ourselves some fresh elk liver. Cook it right there on the coals. Like Bronco Henry taught us. You got a sore gut? No. You act like it pains you to hit two words together. Isn't he horrible? That is the deeply sinister character played by Benedict Cumberbatch in this film, The Power of the Dog. Also, I thought on a necessary necessary mention there of elk liver. I mean, no one wants to to think about that. Um, And certainly uh, his brother wasn't keen on going out into the mountains and uh, and sourcing a new bit of elk liver by the sound of things.
1: So tell us about The Power of the Dog. So... You won't have got that from this clip, but Kirsten Dunst plays a widow with a teenage boy who remarries into this ranch-owning family. In Montana. In Montana, in 1920s Montana. which you, So you're imagining a sort of a Western, but with quite, quite modern sensibilities, actually. Um, so her new husband is played by her real-life husband, Jesse Plemons, which is lovely, and his brother, Phil Phil Burbank, who you just heard there, Benedict Cumberbatch is a horrible, manipulative, jealous, misogynist who emotionally tortures her from the moment that she walks through the door, and I think also slightly beca- tortures, but also then becomes slightly obsessed with her son.
0: Yes, there were. I have lots of questions about this film because there's a big part of me that didn't entirely understand what I was supposed to think, but I guess that's exactly why Jane Campion is brilliant and why she's, she's this so good it's a really good film she's so good I've got to say if you get the chance and you're a Jane Campion fan go to a cinema I mean it's probably only a limited cinema, cinematic release it's,
1: it's already been out yeah I think for a week or two but please
0: don't watch it on a laptop if you can avoid doing that I, I think it's just,
1: you, you do miss the nuances you really if, I think I did if you watch it on a smaller screen yeah. and, I, and I think you'll be so, so much more tempted to go on your phone because it is one of those very quiet I don't yeah. want to say meandering because that has negative connotations it's all about the smaller looks and the feelings the pauses the silences everything is is in those moments and i think that often gets overlooked on a when you're watching Netflix at home with multiple other screens to look at, do you think we'll ever get to a stage
0: where we just we ban ourselves from multi-screening? Because I'm getting to a point now where I I absolutely agree with you that my complete inability to watch a screen mm-hmm. without also noodling away on my phone <laughs> is beginning to impact on the way I consume. Yes, the way quite you high quality entertainment. Yeah. Do,
1: do you think that your attention span has really Shortened since. Oh, it's abysmal. Yeah. And I don't think the pandemic has helped either. No, I worry about that a lot. And so it, you do, I, I think you have to be really, really disciplined. It's sounds disciplined. absurd. Exactly. Um, I
0: actually am going to try to prioritise any visit to the cinema. Overwatching watching something like this mm-hmm. at home, on whether it's on Netflix, on the telly or anywhere else. I, I just think I'm missing a lot. And I think the way this film is shot, it, it really demands a cinematic experience.
1: I agree. And also I think the performances are so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst, who you know, I grew up with in things like Bring It On, about, you know, she was kind of so much of that teen romance. She's so much more than that now, She's isn't she? She's so brilliant in this. She plays a very fragile vulnerable woman who you just see begins to crack under the immense pressure of, ha- of, of having to share space with this man who does not ever hide his hatred. He he kind of pass ag plays the banjo at her in in a kind of attempt to say how rubbish she is at playing the piano. Here's but me playing the banjo. He also doesn't wash. No, he looks, he stinks. You know he stinks. They yeah. mention him smelling. He looks revolting. Um, you just think Benedict Cumberbatch must have had a lot of fun playing this although you know he went properly method yes I believe really, they didn't he wouldn't talk he to wouldn't Kirsten, Dunst. Kirsten Dunst he wouldn't speak Kirsten there was a lot of yeah well, tension I think on set which what is interesting do you interesting. think of that it kind of all goes back to you know with um, Laurence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman oh, yeah what was it Laurence story, Olivier it, said his, you know Dustin Hoffman had to like run round the block however many times to to get out of breath and then Laurence Olivier just kind of stepped in and just went why don't you try acting dear boy um, <laughs> it's something I've done for many years <laughs> it was you know I think there is an element of, of that but you know considering this is the performance that we get out of it then I'm yeah, not going maybe, to judge maybe how it gets works. into character yeah. because it does work um, and again it's so clever the way that you have no idea where this film is going and I don't want to give anything away because I think the ending is it's really subtle and I think it leaves you with a lot more questions but also just completely unexpected mm. and different and weirdly kind of bittersweet. Yes, well, I would say
0: worse than bittersweet for me. <laughs> uh, do do watch this if you possibly can. But, um, you know, devote a bit of time to it and pay attention. Yes. Because I lost out here. The Power of the Dog is a film directed by Jane Campion and starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. And it's available now on Netflix. <coughs> Okay, loads of people have been waiting for this. I'm not one of them. It's Hawkeye, <laughs> which is out now on Disney+. Rihanna, though, is one of those people. Here's a clip. This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time.
1: Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorised the city's underworld is back.
0: The past has caught up with me
1: should we be worried
0: no no it's nothing i'll be home for christmas i promise when i wore this suit i made a whole lot of enemies
1: you're a hawkeye who the hell are you some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer
0: the world's greatest archer i always thought that was uh, jill but apparently not <laughs> one for Radio 4
1: fans there. I got it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Imagine a Marvel series about the about
1: Archers. About the That would be absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Bring it on. So this kind of picks up in Clint Barton's life after the events of Avengers Endgame. He's still coming to terms with everything. But most of all, he, as you heard, just wants to spend time and Christmas with his family. Of
0: course he does.
1: But then a whirlwind in the shape of Kate Bishop, Hawkeye's biggest fan, prevents, prevents this from happening. So Hayley Steinfeld plays Kate Bishop and the the new great archer the greatest archer of all time yes. she is such a brilliant charismatic actor she was in True Grit Edge of Seventeen Dickinson Bumblebee which is a Transformers movie mm-hmm. so what I'm trying to say is she can turn her hand to absolutely anything she's got range she really does and she's so young and she, but she said <laughs> with a slightly jealous note creeping in <laughs> sort of supportive but also you know she is so likeable and so fun I think she never seems to take herself too seriously and that comes through in Hawkeye to kind of great effect. Because everything, Hawkeye is perhaps one of the more forgettable characters in The Avengers. I think it's fair to say. Oh, Jeremy I'll, Renner, I'll, let, I'll let you get away with that, to be honest. Jeremy Renner doesn't always have, you know, the most to do. He, You know, he is the one with the family. He is perhaps slightly more serious. And He's he, the one with the family. He's got domestic commitments. Well, that's he? exactly it. It's, okay. it's kind of that is that seems to be a lot of what holds him back in from, you know, certain events in... Endgame, um, but I don't think anyone who's going to be watching this, who isn't into the Avengers, would understand lots of it. You know, there's there's a lot of assumed knowledge okay. of what's gone before, and lots of Easter eggs and lots of funny jokes about previous films, and that's all really lovely if you're a, or if you're a Marvel fan. But this isn't. I don't think it's necessarily trying to cater to new fans. No, I mean I'm just. Is there anyone alive
0: who would? absolutely love Hawkeye and The Power of the Dog.
1: <laughs> I did. Oh, you? Me. You are that person. I am the person. Okay. And what's so great about Haley Steinfeld's character is that she does bring out the fun in Hawkeye, which I think we've all been missing a little bit. And there's a very cute dog, pizza dog, in this. Everyone loves a dog companion, um, and I think this is actually going to going to go on to be hugely successful because it does it sort of remembers children a little bit more as well. It remembers that there is a younger audience which needs more kind of fun, uplifting stuff in their lives right now, and I think this is exactly what they're going to get. Plus, it's all set at Christmas, so it's festive. It's kind of perfect for now. Is it not a bit early for
0: anything set at Christmas or are you already in the Do you mood know what, normally
1: I-, normally I am such a Scrooge and I'm like Christmas should start you know. Earliest, December the 24th. <laughs> But this year, I'm just fully embracing it, seeing as last year was pretty much cancelled. The more this year, the better. I'm fully leaning in.
0: OK, well, I'm glad to hear it. And I know loads of people are going to love this uh, over Christmas and indeed throughout next year. It's Hawkeye um, out now on Disney+. Plus. Now, the final review this week is something that's out today on BBC iPlayer. Paddy and Christine McGuinness are family and autism. And here's just a brief idea of what's in this documentary.
1: I didn't instantly go,
0: oh I'm depressed. Because I didn't. It was a very slow process. It was kind of chipped away with me with all the with all the things you have to deal with and things you have to do as a parent of children with autism. It dawned on me that that's it. That's it forever, you know. There's no there's no well it'll get they'll get better as the years go on. In that whole haze of clinical depression, if you'd give me the option to take autism away from my children back then, I'd have said, "Yeah." But well, autism is a part of who they are now. So why
1: would I want to take away a part of my children? You know, which which I love.
0: Paddy McGuinness, I would have thought known to just about everybody, Top Gear, um, Take Me Out and a multitude of other programmes, Phoenix Nights. Um, He's done so much stuff. He's a very, very successful person, isn't he, actually, and someone who's always in work. But this is about his domestic life. And you, well, he says himself, actually, um, during the course of the documentary, that he sort of took on a load of work, partly to get away from everything going on Mm. at home. So this is about the McGuinnesses and about their three children, all of whom are on the autistic spectrum and we also find out during the course of the documentary that Christine also has autism. Do, I mean, I don't know whether you were a fan of Paddy McGuinness or had a view on him at all.
1: Uh, no, I've never been a fan, actually, but that didn't stop me from really enjoying this documentary and learning so much mm. from it. It's it's definitely not one that I would ever have sought out to watch and actually, that's what I really love about doing this podcast is that we do make an effort to see a lot of TV documentaries. Well, a range of stuff, yeah. Yes.
0: I think it was me That
1: actually wanted to talk about this. It was. And I you know, I kind of want to say thank you because you you also pushed me into watching Paul Mercer's documentary about gambling a few weeks ago, which really stayed with me. And again, these aren't because unless I'm really into a subject, why would I go out and watch something about gambling or autism, etc., if it's not something that's necessarily close to home. I'm very inconsistent here because I
0: occasionally do wonder why we have to view so many important issues solely through the prism of celebrity experience. I do agree. But at the same time, I'm drawn to watching them. Mm -hmm. And I think the plain fact is a lot of people are going to watch this programme and they will learn a great deal about autism and about its impact on a family. Mm. And actually, I mean, I, like you, was not a fan of Paddy McGuinness at all, but you do... You really understand him wrestling with this and he is very honest about the fact that he found this really, really difficult to deal with. Well, he says he got clinical depression Mm -hmm. as a result of trying to deal with it. He and his wife, Christine, who I think is is brilliant, comes across really well, Mm -hmm. they know they have a lot to deal with here and they don't actually know what their children's future is going to consist of.
1: No, the fact that they are trying to find out about older children and about what lives can be for people who have autism or yeah. on the spectrum somewhere, felt really important for people at home who are living with autistic children or or perhaps are yet to be diagnosed either themselves or to have their children diagnosed. So it, it did feel like this was not only just giving you an insight into one family, but offering up a lot of actual, kind of quite practical help for those families as well, watching at home. I've got um, someone very close to me whose child has just been diagnosed with autism and I sort of was thinking watching this with her and her child in mind and thinking actually this is going to be really useful I think just in terms of not maybe feeling so alone yeah. knowing how how much how many people are out there who is kind of have a dealing with this at the mm. same time and that there are options to talk to get more practical help um that was all really interesting the whole idea, which I'm really glad they... I don't feel... Maybe they delved into it enough, but I'm glad they touched on it, was the link between vaccines and autism. They say, yet again, there is zero link. And no, I think no. some mothers find that very difficult to understand or agree with when their children get diagnosed... Well, I guess if you... change immediately after having had this vaccine as some a child. People,
0: sorry to interrupt. Some people say that the diagnosis is a help and it leads you to understand, but also... Yeah, you're flailing around, you're looking for an explanation and there is no link between MMR and autism. But the plain fact is that autism symptoms might begin to manifest themselves around the same Same time. And and so you can see why and how it started, but there's absolutely no link.
1: But I'm glad that they say that yet again, because I know how many parents feel guilty just in case. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: I guess being a parent, you are going to feel guilty. I think probably whatever happens.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: she said wearily. Um, <laughs> I, I think also I was really impressed by Paul Scholes, the, the former Manchester United yeah. player who, who makes I mean, I did not know about his son. And he again, he's incredibly honest. He yeah. says, you know what? My son's behavior can be exceptionally challenging. And I found it difficult to deal with.
1: And this is a man with all the privileges in the world and
0: all the money in the world. And they both also acknowledge that. I mean, you see that the McGuinness family home is gorgeous and substantial and it makes you think, and they would say this themselves, how do people cope When they don't have their resources. Unbelievable.
1: must be so tough. And also the level of detail that has to go into, like you're looking around McGuinness's home, it is very white, very beige. Utterly pristine. You see them wearing actually very, when they're at home, very pale, beige, white, muted colours. And it's because actually their children can't necessarily cope with bright, brighter colors which was really interesting something mm. that I that would never have occurred to me having not watched this program
0: no I, I do urge if you if you know nothing about autism and um and perhaps you think you don't like Paddy McGuinness well give this give this a watch and and then um, just have a think about it all i just thought it was very honest and i think it will be really helpful and i i thought Christine was incredibly moving when she talked oh. about the years where
1: she tried she to hide. cover up for herself. She's had to hide for a lifetime, Yeah, cry. I mean, just it's, the idea of an adult having to hide their real personality just mm. to fit in is devastating.
0: And I know it does happen. They always say that girls are more likely to mask. They call it just keep on masking, mm-hmm. keep trying to do the things they see other people mm. doing I think also in a way we tend to make excuses for men and cover up for them in a way mm. that we wouldn't always for women and yep. girls and I think that's, it comes across really really well in this, so I think a lot of people will learn a great deal from this programme and hats off actually to the McGuinnesses for being well, so honest about their mm. own experiences uh, Paddy and Christine McGuinness our family and autism it's out today on BBC iPlayer now, the Radio
1: Times is out today, and on the cover, Rihanna, who have we got? Rose and Giovanni. So, there is a lovely interview with Rose in this week's Radio Times, and I've got to say, they are such a gorgeous couple to watch dancing on screen. Everything she does is so graceful. She's an incredible role model, and she looks beautiful on the cover yeah. this week. Lovely. It's a lovely photo, actually, that. And
0: she is uh, part of a fantastic partnership.
1: I've seen, I saw their dance live, and then I've seen clips of it, and then I saw it on Gogglebox, and I have cried every
0: single time. This is the wonderful dance where it went silent and we just very briefly entered Rose's world. It was beautiful. It was lovely. And also the
1: music, I think, was used for an advert, a Christmas advert, a few years ago, which also made me cry. So I had those sort of memories of that. Plus this beautiful dance. Rose is such an amazing young woman as well. Such a great role model. Just really lovely. Giovanni, I think, has done a great job. Cynthia Erivo was a judge that episode and she learned um, a bit of sign language to try and talk to Rose, which was great. Um, I thought that was really, really special.
0: Yeah, I, I think Rose is going to win, uh, strictly. But we should also say that coming soon to the Radio Times podcast, we have got uh, John Waite and Johannes Radaby, who are dancing together the first all-male couple to dance on Strictly and I went to see them a couple of weeks ago now and they were great actually really good fun. You're still
1: not over John's shoulders are you? He had amazing arms (laughs) I'm just
0: gonna say it's okay it's okay to notice um but they will you will be able to hear them both because they're they're groundbreaking too actually yeah um I mean I, I don't think they have been overshadowed by um Rose and Giovanni but I think perhaps we're slightly forgetting the fact that The idea of two men waltzing with each other on national television, (laughs) the idea of that happening 30, 40, even 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. highly unlikely. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hats off to them too, actually. I'm taking my hat off to a lot of people this week. I need to stop doing
1: that immediately. Now it is time for What We Watched. Go on. So I'm going to quiz you with a difficult first clue. Will I ever be able to ask you questions or is it just that I'm... Maybe at Christmas. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> your your first clue, you've got to guess the year. Um, the Eurovision Song Contest is held in Moscow and sees Graham Norton taking over from Terry Wogan oh. as host for this BBC show. You're a Eurovision? Yes. Watch it? Okay. Watch it yeah. Um, It's won in the end by Norway's Alexander Ryback, with fairy tale, and here's Graham being his usual cheeky self. Now let's hear Denmark. Hello. Seriously, Felix. Hello, Moscow. <laughs> this is Felix is Smith Hagen. from the Denmark. Thank you. For <laughs> Honestly, in dress rehearsal, I thought it was tonight. a technician. I didn't realise he was and actually going to do it. Of oh, three points, points for the United though. Kingdom. I take it all back. Is three points good? No. No. But no. it's better than the nil. It's better than nothing. But no, because like the highest you can get is 12. How can you not know that? I haven't watched Eurovision since I was about nine. I hate it. Sometimes I worry about you. Yep. <laughs> Do you remember London Mayor Boris Johnson? No. Whatever happened to him? He uh, he made a cameo in BBC One Soap <laughs> EastEnders is oh. what happened to him. The episode ended up being watched by 8 million viewers. Because, you know, he's funny. He likes a laugh. Here he is talking to Barbara Windsor.
0: Honour to have you here, Mr. Mayor.
1: Oh, please call me Boris. <laughs>
0: Lucky for me that your bike got a puncher, isn't it? Now, would you like a topper? Yeah. No, no, I'm fine, thank you. Unbelievable. So much for giving him what for. You know, I do so admire a man who devotes his entire life to serving society. I nearly went into politics myself, you know. Really? Well, if, if you have any ideas for how I could help Walford, here's my card. Oh, I wouldn't dream of telling the mayor of London what to do. <laughs> Is this helping? I can actually picture that scene. I wasn't a viewer, but I think... I mean, I'm not a committed EastEnders viewer, but I think... You were one of the
1: eight million who tuned in that day. I may have watched it. (laughs) Um, So, in this year, Michael Jackson died on the 25th of June. Now, I do remember. I was was
0: quite literally watching telly when I found out about that. Yes. So that is...
1: I remember going downstairs to my parents who were watching TV downstairs. Yeah, it was uh, a... I think I know the year. Go on. Prime Minister Gordon Brown announces an independent inquiry into events surrounding the Iraq war. And this might really nail it for you. The chart upset of the decade came in December as the Christmas number one was achieved not by the X Factor winner Joe McEldrey. But by 1990s rap metal band Rage Against the Machine. Go on then. 2010. Oh, you're a year
0: out. Oh, you're joking. What year is it? 2009. Oh, oh I'm convinced. That's <laughs> so infuriating. It was Joe McAldrey that absolutely nailed <laughs> it for me. Or, or so <laughs> I thought, so because I voted for him and I was really disappointed when he didn't get the Did number. You? No. <laughs> I'm a sophisticate and an intellectual. Could you think that? <laughs> this quiz. I can't wait for Christmas so I can get the chance to pin Rihanna down and ask her some really tough questions about a year she won't know nothing about. (laughs) Something like Barbara Windsor in the Enders there.
1: If you you pick something in the 70s that doesn't count.
0: Harsh. (laughs) If you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've discussed today then make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Do follow and join us each week. The Radio Times podcast is produced by something else. For immediate media. Yeah, have a good week. Take care. (laughs)